You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Yes, God, we thank you that you are the King of Kings. We thank you that you are seated on your throne, that you are sovereign and in control. And we put our trust in you again today. We worship you for who you are. Come and have your way. Would you speak to us today in the precious name of Jesus? Amen. Well, over the last three weeks, we've been looking at characters in the Bible and how their stories form a part of God's big picture. So far, we've looked at Miriam and Ananias and Jonah, some incredible and challenging stories uh, to learn from. And more so, uh, these stories remind us that just like those individuals, our stories can also be a part of God's big picture picture. And through the Bible, we see God's big picture starting out from creation of man and woman uh, who fall into sin in the Garden of Eden. And then there's the unraveling story of God's redemption and blessing ultimately coming through Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who dies on the cross and rises again uh, so that those who would believe in him would be brought back into proper relationship with God and with one another. Then there's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people, his church, and the church is called to partner with God in bringing God's kingdom, his rule and reign on earth. And through our daily and ordinary lives, God's purposes are being outworked. Our story is being worked into God's story. And so today, as we continue on uh, with our story in God's story, we're going to be looking at the Bible character Gideon. You can read the full story of Gideon in Judges 6 to 8. But just to set some context, the previous book before Judges is the book of Joshua. And this book tells the account of Moses, who brought the Israelites out of slavery uh, from Egypt. But Moses dies before they can get into the promised land, Canaan. And so he leaves Joshua in his place to lead the people into the promised land, which he does. And towards the end of the book of Joshua, it records how the land was divided up between the 12 tribes of Israel. And there were two specific instructions that Joshua gave to the people before he died. He said, firstly, drive out the enemies that live on that land so that you don't become influenced by them and therefore corrupted like them. And secondly, renew and maintain your covenant, your commitment to God. Stay obedient to his ways uh, so that you can be an example to other nations. But the Israelites fail to do both of these. They leave some people in the territory like the Canaanites and the Midianites. And that leads them to fall into all sorts of messes like idol worship, immoral living, repeated cycles of failure where they call on God to rescue them. And he does. But then they fall back into the same problems. There's this repeated phrase throughout Judges, which is the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then Judges 2.16 says, Then the Lord raised up judges who served them out of the hands of those who plundered them. And Judges records the story of 12 judges uh, from the 12 tribes who are raised up by God at different times over the span of over 300 years. Uh, you might be familiar with some of them like Deborah and Samson and Samuel. Uh, these were not judges like how we know today who sit in court and judge cases. Uh, but these were 
political, military and prophetic leaders that were called to help the people of God against their enemies, to draw them back to God, to establish justice and essentially restore the people of God. Although they were powerfully used by God, um, not only did they have their own weaknesses, once they died, the Israelites would literally go back into the same cycles of disobedience and sin. And so this ultimately pointed to the need of Jesus, the only righteous and perfect judge who would enable people to truly live for him by renewing them and giving them a new spirit, his Holy Spirit. But in Judges 6, we're introduced to one of the judges called Gideon, who we're going to be looking at today. So let's turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 18. And it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel, Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Well, as we look at the passage today, we find Gideon in the backdrop of the Israelites not only being rebellious and full of sin, but also because of their disobedience, God had allowed them to enter into a time of oppression and difficulty, being oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. Whenever it was harvest season, the Midianites would come like locusts, is how they described them, and steal what was harvested from the Israelites, along with their animals and their possessions, so that the Israelites ended up having to hide themselves and their crops and all their belongings in caves and mountains and these strongholds, these strong structures that they'd built to protect themselves. Well, CLM kids, maybe you're watching today and you want to grab some pens and some papers and have a go at drawing the people uh, with their crops running into caves and mountains, gathering everything up. So as we continue with this, with this story, um, the Israelites are in trouble and in their trouble, they call to God for help. But a prophet had come to tell them that even despite God's faithfulness and countless rescue before, they were not obedient to his voice. But once again, because of God's mercy, he comes to help. And this time he sends help in the person of Gideon. And the first thing we learn about Gideon is that Gideon was called in a crisis. You know, just like the rest of the Israelites, Gideon is found working and hiding in a wine press. Now, a wine press uh, is something that is usually lower down in the ground. And that's where he's threshing wheat. But 
that's not the place that you're supposed to be threshing wheat. You're supposed to be threshing wheat high above on hills where the wind could, could come and blow the chaff away and you'd be left with the inside part of the wheat. But instead, he's here struggling and feeling unproductive perhaps in what he's doing. And really, if we think about our year so far, many of us could say we found ourselves in this similar place of crisis. This year has left many of us somewhere we didn't expect to be. We're living at home, we're working from home. It's probably felt like an unproductive season full of struggle, working, but feeling like we're coming up short and empty. Many of us are filled with fear and even grieving the losses of the disappointments for the expectations that we had for this year. Yet the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says to him in verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I want to encourage you today that the Lord is with you. And then a few verses later says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And, you know, Gideon was not just called to rise out of his own mess. He was called to help deliver others out of theirs. We don't know why God chose Gideon, but we know that he wanted to use him as a part of his bigger plan. He wanted to use him as a part of his story. And just like Gideon, that's how God comes to us. He comes to us in our mess, in our disobedience, in our crisis and says to us, I want to pull you out of that and use you to bring hope and deliverance. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Just like God called Gideon mighty warrior, God calls us today, church, as believers in Christ together, he says, my chosen people, my royal priesthood, my holy nation, I'm calling you, I want to use you. You know, the Greek word for church in the New Testament is ecclesia, and it means the called out ones. And as called out ones, God firstly calls us out to be set apart for him, to be his special possession, but also we're called out in every season, and especially in a season of crisis as part of his bigger picture to declare salvation, his mercy, his grace, his hope to a hopeless and broken world. Maybe God has called you in this season to intercede, to stand in the gap and to pray for the tragedies going on in the world and what we've seen recently in the news. Maybe God has called you to show kindness and care to your neighbors, to those around you who might be carrying their own fears and walking in their own struggles. You know, for Gideon, when you read on in Judges 6, you see that before even going to battle with the Israelites, uh, the first thing that actually happened was that Gideon began by tearing down the idols around his family and around his territory and tribe. This is where his obedience started. And perhaps the Lord in this season has called you to begin with who you have around you, to begin with restoration in your family, to begin with restoration with those you have close to you. Just like Gideon, our story in God's story can be God calling us in a time of crisis. Secondly, we see that Gideon struggled with insecurities. I mean, see if you can identify with some of his own insecurities. He wrestled firstly with whether the presence of God was really there. He says, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? You know, we can hear about the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the favor of God. But in a time and season that we might find ourselves, we might be thinking, where is God in my circumstances? Where is God in this situation? He wrestled with insecurities about his, his identity. God calls him a mighty warrior and says, go in this strength of yours. And he's like, I, I think you got the wrong person. You don't, you don't know who I am. I'm like the complete opposite. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. Maybe it was true, but maybe part of it was also the excuses that he carried to not move into action. He wrestled with insecurities about his call and the promise of victory. He says, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. And God does give him a sign. He burns up the sacrifice that Gideon offers. But this isn't the only time that Gideon asks for a sign. We see that as we read on in Judges uh, 7 and 8, uh, he continues to ask for signs like three more times in different ways that he should enter into battle and whether the victory would really be his. And each time God confirms it. In fact, God was so aware of Gideon's tendencies to fear and doubt uh, that in Judges 7, 10 to 11, when he's about to go into battle the night before, he says to Gideon, if you're afraid of the attack, go down to the camp with this, your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So God tells Gideon, if you're so scared to go into battle, go first and hear of the victory that I've already given you. And sure enough, after overhearing a dream that's interpreted by one of the men in the camp, it describes Gideon's victory in battle. You see, Gideon was a man filled with fear, self-doubt, doubts about God, doubts about the future. And likewise, we can be like that. Maybe you find yourself saying recently, I can't give or even think about generosity in this season. I'm struggling to find provision for myself. I can't encourage someone else. I'm struggling to hold it together myself. I can't do this. God, where are you? Yet often, this is how our story is outworked in God's story. A perfect, able and powerful God who doesn't really need us in fact, sometimes we can feel like we're such an inconvenience to the workings of God. Yet in his mercy, in his patience, he waits to use us. You know, the irony of Gideon's story is that he actually appears in Hebrews 11, which is famously known as like the hall of faith and lists a number of people uh, throughout the Bible who did incredible things because they believed in God, because they had faith in God. And I was baffled because I thought surely not Gideon in all his timidity and all his fear and all his hesitation can't be mentioned here. But Hebrews 11.32 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised and shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Despite his weakness, Gideon stands today as an inspiration of our own faith, for our own faith. 
And I believe in this season, God doesn't want us to stay stuck in places of weaknesses, paralyzed by what, by what we can't do, how weak we feel, the amount of doubt that we're carrying. I believe in this season that God wants us, God wants to help us turn our weaknesses, like it says in Hebrews, into strength. And what will enable us to turn our fears and our insecurities and our doubts into the power of God in our lives is not us mustering up our own strength or pretending that we don't have insecurities and we don't feel weak, but allowing faith in God to arise. Faith that aligns with the truth that God is who he says he is, that his promises are true, that he is with you, that you are who he says that you are, a redemption of your identity, that he will fight for you, that he is victorious and reigning, he's king of kings. Now God helps us to partner with him in being a part of his story by allowing faith to arise in us. That's the bridge that connects our story to his story. Which brings me to my final point, which is that Gideon had to depend on God. You know, God's agenda has always been to partner with his people. He delights to use weak things to show himself strong. I've seen that in my life so many times. That's how our story becomes a part of his story. In Judges 7-2, as Gideon is preparing to go for battle, God says to him, you have too many men, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me that my own strength has saved me. So God calls Gideon to downsize his army that he was about to go into battle to, with from 32,000 to 300 men. This is 300 men against what we think is over 130,000 Midianite men in the army. And not only that, when they're going into battle, what they literally carry is trumpets, clay jars, and they go with the shout, the shout of their voices. And because of these, uh, they confuse the Midianites and they flee. I don't know about you, but in this season, I've found myself stripped of my strength in some way, the confidence that I have in myself and my ability and my own understanding. Maybe some of you have been stripped in the comforts that you've had. There've been many instances in this season where for many of us, things just haven't made sense. Yet all of this is often to push us into a greater dependence and trust in God. That's how our story becomes a part of his story. You know, when I started to declare my trust in God, irrespective of how I felt or what made sense, that's where God showed up and shone. He enabled me to be in conversations with people or praying for people. And they'd say that was really encouraging. And I knew that it was the Lord. I couldn't boast in it because I, I wasn't really even fully aware of what God was doing. In my feelings of weakness, he stirred up compassion within me to say that I'm sure that there are many other people in this position or maybe even worse, let me pray for them. And I get to partner with God being a part of his story and interceding for others. You know, God's big story in your story today may be just you, just him drawing you back to himself to depend on him before we can even go out in battle to strip you of those things that say, I can do this all on my own and instead to rely on him to fight your battles for you and to fight battles for others where you can. And in that way, enabling you to not boast in yourself at the end of it to say, but to say, the glory belongs all to God.
Now, ultimately, as we come to the end of today's message, we, we don't know why God chose Gideon specifically. But one thing that we do know is that God did call Gideon. He called him to be a part of his big story, bringing mercy and redemption and salvation to a people that so desperately needed to see God at work. And he used him despite his weaknesses, despite his own failures, despite his own shortcomings. And I wanna encourage you today, wherever you are, sometimes we can hear the voice of God calling us, but we can be so stuck in our own weaknesses. But I wanna encourage you that the Lord goes before you, that the Lord is with you. He's given you his spirit who will help you, who will empower you to be all that he has called you to be and do all that he has called you to do for his glory. And so I wanna invite you where you are to open up your hands, to invite the Holy Spirit to come, to receive of God again today and to say, Lord, even in the midst of crisis, even in the midst of my own disappointments for this season, even in the midst of my own difficulties for this season or the other difficulties that I see in the world today. Lord, I receive the call to be used by you. Lord, help me with my insecurities. Help me with where I fall short and I am weak. Help me to rely on you, to depend on you, that you would get the glory, that your story would shine through my life and the life of those that you've called me to. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.